Okay, so here we are. This is hopefully the first version of the expat progressive <laughs> podcast. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm glad I'm doing it with my great friend Cece. I think we should just briefly go over how we met first and then kind of bring it back to where we are today. So yeah, yeah. So I met Cece. Basically, we both started teaching internationally in 2013. At least that was when I started. And mm -hmm. we, ended up at, we, ended, we ended up at the same school in Thailand, in Nantaburi, which is a city right outside of Bangkok. And I'm glad that we met because, as I say so often about anything, that place was terrible. <laughs> at least for yes, me. It was the epitome of a private school, for-profit yeah. private school, yes. And, and how long were you there? I... You stayed for six months and I ended yeah. up staying for two years. Oof, oof, oof. Yeah. <laughs> well, that place, that place really didn't like my, uh, shall I say, me and my personal <laughs> So, you know, it was only a six yeah. month contract and I think it worked out well. But yeah, so but basically somehow we connected and we always had really interesting conversations and we always got, got along really well. And I remember you saying that eventually you kind of got uh, ostracized from all the foreigner teachers there and you end up just hanging at that cafe for a while. Yeah, yeah there was a, a very strange hierarchy uh, between the, the foreign teachers, I would say. And I'm not one to enjoy hierarchies in general. So I think stepping outside of that arrangement felt better for me. But then I, I ended up finding um, really good friendship in the Chinese foreign teachers actually yeah. and felt like that was my place. So I didn't really need the teachers from America um, so much. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say a few quick things before I move on from that. So I remember, I remember it was mostly, from what I recall, it was mostly female teachers, other teachers, mm -hmm. teachers. Yes. and they all hated me for some reason, <laughs> even though I never did anything. And I remember, I don't remember, no. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember their names exactly, but I just remember you told me that one person you like overheard in conversation or something that she hated me. And I literally never spoke to this person ever. So I know. how can you hate me? <laughs> yeah, it's so strange. And then I remember going into your class one time and watching you teach and you were like a comedian clown entertainer to these children and all of them were laughing and participating and they were so excited to be in your class in that lesson that you planned. Um, and I, I thought to myself in that moment, I don't think I've, seen in a long time a class that animated and they were really into it I think because of your personality and a lot of teachers you know they don't have that they just don't jump into it with their full spirit and I saw you do that and well so I'm, I'm glad you for... like I'm glad you like that I'm deaf for better for worse mainly for my own sanity I'm not nearly like that anymore <laughs> I try to do no. it I try to well it just gets me into trouble you know that really? <laughs> we don't want we don't want good dynamic teachers. We want no. like zombies, robots teaching yeah. our students. They want people. They want teachers who shove exams down children's throats, like it or not, and then give them hugs afterward. Yeah. Or not a not a real hug, but a proverbial hug. <laughs> yeah. We're not allowed to touch the students. <laughs> well, just, and just to give another perspective, I don't know if you remember this, but it was kind of represents what we're about. So I just remember we're sitting having lunch and I forgot her name. Maybe you might remember. I think she's from like Ohio or something. And hmm. she, you told me she always used to drink all the time. 
but she was going to work. I don't remember. Um, I'm sure I could find her out, but I just remember we were we were having one of our, we were having one of our like in depth passionate discussions. We were and you know we have, we have serious conversations about serious topics, yes. and she you know we're usually by ourselves because we're the weirdos, and then, she, <laughs> and then she comes over and she's just like, "What are you talking about?" And I and you just said, "Oh, we're talking about female circumcision." <laughs> and, then, and then she's just like, I don't, I have, I don't know what to say about that. And she just walks away. So it was funny. Yeah. Like she was trying, like the one time in her life, she's like, I'm gonna see what these people are about, and we totally freaked her out. <laughs> and then we never heard from her again. So yeah, then we freaked her out. I think that that's <laughs> I think that best represents who we are and what we're about. So before yeah. one of that, so I ended up after that six months, I was in Hong Kong for a few years. I had to go and back. I came to visit you. I came to visit that one time. That was awesome. I loved it there, but I had to go back to the U.S. for various reasons. And not gonna lie, it was just like basically like with a little few peaks and valleys, but just two and a half years of just like utter shit of like <laughs> trying to live my life, like trying to get yeah. a decent job, decent career. So I really, I'm finally like, all right, that's it. I've had it. And then I almost went back to Hong Kong because I liked it so much. But then a friend of mine, good friend of mine I've known since forever, he lives in Taiwan now and he's half Taiwanese. He's like, just come to Taiwan. And I'm like, yeah. okay. And, you know, it's definitely a lot more relaxing and nicer here. I mean, it's not as crazy as Hong Kong. And that's a whole Okay. Other. But how did you, so how did you end up in Spain? Why is it different? Oh, go ahead. Uh, well, it's not nearly as crowded, you know, in Hong Kong. Okay whole generations of families are living in like small apartments. People can actually have homes here. You know, it's, it's an island, but it's still a pretty big place. So people more spread out, you know, it's not, Hong Kong's just a really weird dynamic, people stacking, stacked on top of each other. Yeah. Like income inequality is like, like put it this way, I haven't seen people living in cages yet. And that is, <laughs> and that's something that Hong Kong has. So just to give you some perspective. Okay. And like, as I say, real talk, unfortunately, I feel like Hong Kong is going to get screwed over by the mainland at some point. Mm. It's not a matter of if, but when. And I feel like sure. the difference between Hong Kong and Taiwan is that no one's doubting that Hong Kong is China. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, in the end, it is China. It's part of the People's Republic of China. No one's gonna argue with that. No one's gonna dispute that. Even if Hong Kong declared independence, I doubt most countries would honor that because clearly, as we can see through today, modern day politics and economics, Everyone loves China's dirty, filthy, totalitarian money. So I guess they do. Right. Yeah. And then eventually, maybe <laughs> maybe Taiwan in the future, people might stand up for it more because it, it is de facto an independent nation. But mm -hmm. officially, around the world, it's not. Even though clearly sure. it is, and we you figure if we actually if the West actually had values that they actually cared about, they would be supporting an actual vibrant democratic country instead of an asshole communist dictatorship yeah right is that in quotes How communist is it really <laughs> well, I was going to say have you ever been to china mainland china no i haven't only to hong kong have yeah. you i visited there a couple times because i uh, used well i lived in hong kong I used to cross the border all the time and at the border uh, oh, okay the border you can't really tell it to, i'll just tell you this what kind of communist country has like a kfc every 15 feet that's china right. Okay. And yeah, yeah, a good friend of mine lived there for a while. And, you know, like it's basically communist in name only. Like they keep, they keep the Mao picture up there. But mm -hmm. they, don't really like, they don't really like to talk about it because he was mostly terrible, but he's still like their, mm -hmm. he's like their George Washington. So he, they keep okay. the picture up there. 
and they say they're communists just to keep control over a billion people, but man, they got KFC. They don't try to sell you anything mm-hmm. just like anything else, anywhere else. And if anything, two things. There was, was it the guy after Mao? Was it Deng Jinping? He I have no idea. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I just want to get it wrong. Sorry, I apologize in advance. But he basically said after Mao died, he wanted to like shift the economy and he called it socialism with Chinese characteristics, which I, which, which also means, to, and I jokingly say that means, which means capitalism, because that's basically what they have mm-hmm. now. And in the mainland, they have, it's basically communist in the sense that it's communist and it has like the worst of both systems, right? The communist in the sense that they like, communication information is tightly controlled and bad mm. in the capitalist sense is like they'll sell you anything and they don't like just sell it who cares if it's got poison in the dog food and the lead and just sell it who cares so it's like the worst of both yeah. and uh you know Hopefully. pollution is terrible so i would certainly never live there and i don't think yeah. anybody would ever pay me enough to live there but how did you end up in spain after our time in thailand together yeah, so um, I left Thailand, I think it was 2015. I went back to the States for a little while, lived in Houston, Texas. I'm from Colorado, so it was a pretty big shift for me. And I decided I didn't really like it. It wasn't the place for me. I don't know if it was my boss um, posting on Facebook very anti-Islam articles or my coworkers um, putting their favorite Bible verse on the computer um and then asking me what mine was and then these discussions of just like pro-life politics in in the workplace it was very hard for me because i'm quite the outspoken feminist so being there was like a little bit shocking anyway so i was like i need to leave um and teaching english in spain was an outlet for me so i went to spain and it's now been four years i did live in chile last year but back in spain again because of a repatriation flight thank you spain um yeah so that's that well great you know i still my end game is still to end up in europe somehow so i'm glad you made it because i know it's really it used to be really hard for uh americans to get jobs teaching in europe in general because they'd rather hire british people but since they stupidly decided to brexit themselves i guess that makes it better for (laughs) us right it does actually yeah Yeah. i think they still have um preference because they can still apply for a residency more easily but i think within the year or something that's going to change nice so thank you uk for making a horrible decision (laughs) that's a whole other conversation unless you want to talk about that but first of all i want us to have some coverage because obviously we're both american both have our weird experiences we both ended up outside the country for various reasons so I want to know, you know, where you are, what you're feeling right now about American politics in general and how that, how you relate to that being in Spain. And if you want to talk about, because I really know nothing about Spain uh, politics at all, really. So, except that they have a king who yeah. is, is he, is he just, is he like just for show or does he actually mean it? Is like British royal family where it doesn't mean anything. They're just there for fun or is he actually mean anything (laughs) well from what i've observed he's mostly just like the baby holding um looking good in a camera figure like most royalty however he does play a big role in financial transactions um between the royal family and other royal families i think Mm -hmm. it was a big there was a big media bomb about 
two years ago when the king, whose name I don't remember, um, but he made an arms deal with the Saudi Arabia royal family and ended up, it was a transfer of wealth of millions of dollars. And they were like, what? How could you be doing this with Spanish tax money, tax dollar money? Because that's where they, um, how they're funded. So that was a big issue. And then they laid low for a while, but they're always in the tabloids, right? Everyone cares about what their daughter is wearing for Sunday church day, you know, and it's, it's a little ridiculous, but I would say it doesn't have a whole lot of power. I think people are more interested in the queen in England than in the royal family okay. in Spain. In yeah, I was going to, speaking of royal family, before we go forward, I just remember, so we lived in Thailand, which at the time had the king of Thailand who actually meant something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still think it's mostly run by the parliamentary system there, but the king still has massive influence there. He was very influential. People actually cared about him. And he was king for like, I think he was like the longest running ruling king in history, except after the queen of England, actually. Really? And, yeah. yeah. He was I like left, in his late 80s when he Yeah, I left, I left Thai, Thailand uh, in 2014, like right before they had their coup, which in Thailand seems mm-hmm. to happen. That's like, a, that happens all the time. But um, unfortunately, now they, I call him Thug Life King, because I don't know if you've, you've seen pictures of him. There's a famous picture of him, like, at an airport, like, he's got, like, a wife beater, like, on, and he's just all tatted up, so. I would like to see, I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah, so I, call him, I call him Thug Life King, because it's, like, really, I mean, he's just another spoiled brat, obviously, like, I remember he, it was, like, a scandal, because he had, like, a $30 million, like, birthday for his dog or something. That's he, ridiculous. Yeah, and he has like a yacht, and I remember reading that it, like he had like the two like like lifeboats or dinghy boats. There was like Tit One and Tit Two, where the names oh, of the, like lifeboats. So, but they did make him pay. I think they made him pay. Like, of course, he's got like billions of dollars, and I think the gov the Thai- Thailand government made him pay like fifty billion dollars in taxes or something. And he's like, eh, whenever, <laughs> you know, sure. I inherited all this wealth. I don't care. Yeah. So. Well, at least there's some accountability there. <laughs> well, that's interesting. You know, I, um, it used to, I used to say it was honorably corrupt there. Mm. Yeah. It was this interesting dynamic. I had groups of students who were in university at the time studying law who wanted to speak their critiques about the king. And that was the former king, the one who was in his 80s at the time. Um, but they were very afraid and they wouldn't in a public setting. So when we were in the mall talking, they wouldn't. When we were one day in a taxi together, this was hanging out outside of class. I asked them, like, what is your opinion about him? And then they were, they actually opened up and they said they weren't as, I would say, loyal um, as I thought they were. They spoke openly about their critiques. Okay. Yeah. So I think it has a lot to do with propaganda and there's this pressure from everyone to not say anything bad about the king. In fact, I think there were laws. Um, no, I was just going to say, I forgot there's a specific term, but against speaking negatively about the royal family, but Thailand has one of the strictest versions of that. Mm-hmm. So literally, I even think John Oliver made a thing about the new king of Thailand and they put him like on a list that he's not allowed to go back into the country or something, or they like investigate. Oh, wow. That's interesting. (laughs) Did you you ever see a movie when you were in Thailand? I did. I saw many. Yeah. I only went once or twice, but I remember you have, they have like the King's song and you have to like stand up and listen to it before the movie starts. Yeah. It's like the pledge of allegiance, but 
it's it feels as an outsider a bit more extreme because you're looking at it with this adult perspective rather than the indoctrination that you face as an American from a young age pledging to the flag. <laughs> Can you imagine how, how like in America people would be like so outraged to have to do that to anybody? But only if it's for their guy, they would be okay. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Right, or this concept, this nationalism that yeah. Americans seem to, to grow up well, with. Well, with that said, yeah. what gen, like overall, and we can get more specific, so what's, how's your thoughts and feeling? Well, when's the last time you've actually been in the U.S.? That's a good question. Yeah, it's been a long time now. It's been over three years. Hmm. Um, that's been for partly financial reasons and then just having a disconnected family situation. Um, and then also the longer your heart stays in a place, I think the more it feels like home. So Spain is becoming more and more, um, important to me and a harder place to leave in general and get, becoming more fluent in the language really helps. You kind of feel more enmeshed in everything that's going on, including the politics, which as both you and I know is something that we, we like to follow wherever we are. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, I'm in Thailand. Oh, Thai, I keep getting Taiwan. <laughs> Ugh. Taiwan had their election uh, back in January. And they oh, had, tell me what happened. Well, they just, I mean, you know, because you have basically the, it's it's different, like obviously, so you have like the the Green Party or like it's like the new Democratic Party, whatever. And they're like the, the more pro-independence party. And then you have the KMT, which is like the old school Taiwan party which still still talks about reunification and is like borderline nationalistic like we're we're still chinese and the time the other party is like we're taiwanese there's that disconnect there but uh they she had a landslide re-election in january so okay which and is this good. is the pro-taiwanese yeah and i mean you know you figured with it was surprising you figured china like they were saying china was trying to scam it and like hack it and mm -hmm. they managed to have a free and fair election here. And like I said, she, I think she got like 60, around 60%, 62%, which in elections wow. is considered a landslide. So yeah. And how much, do you know how much of the, the population votes? Oh, I want to, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I want to say it's, I thought it was like 70% voter turnout. Okay. But don't quote me on that. But it's better. <laughs> uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, we can go look at Google later. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to say generally overall, what's what's your as a, as a American expat abroad, what's your perspective looking at from the outside, and how much do you try to do you try or not try to pay attention to what's going on in the uh, United States? Yeah, so I think one of the ways that you become you can become more fluent in the language is to observe the political arena, and that's either through watching you know the normal news hour or listening to podcasts or reading the news all three of which i've done before and i'm usually read a kind of a left-wing newspaper called el diario but it's not my favorite lately it's it really likes to talk about politicians and like he said this she said this and it doesn't get very deeply into actual policies so i've been trying to find um more media that represents that line of thinking um but let's see so my perspective uh from the very beginning i think i was shocked by the number of elections that they're that they can have so in the u.s if you say when is the presidential election everyone knows it's the first tuesday in november i think after the first monday but that's the small print there 
Um, whereas in Spain, they can kind of just have an election. If, they, if the parties fail to form a coalition, because um, it's a multi-party system, then they have to, by law, form another election and everyone has to go out and vote again. And despite this, they have pretty high turnout, though the second time around when everyone has to go out and vote again, the uh, turnout decreases by like 10 or 15 percentage points. I think it's still around 50, 60 percent. Um, and their last election was about a year ago. And the center left party won. And then they had to form a coalition with the center right party, but they failed to do that. So they had a re-election. Mm. Center left party won more votes actually this time. So they were able to form a coalition with the far left party. All of that seems great, but if you're not paying attention to what's happening on the right side, then <laughs> you're gonna miss something really important, which is the rise of the far right party called Vox, not to be confused with the um, magazine. <laughs> which, Maybe they're trying to get some undeserved publicity, right? Oh, that right. Fox Magazine, I like them. Oh, right. wait. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Yeah. So Vox, it has been considered and called fascist uh, before. It's led by a man called Santiago Abascal. And if you listen to him long enough, you'll start scratching your head and asking questions like, do him and Trump talk to each other? Because they sound really similar sometimes and it's kind of crazy. Um, he's very anti-immigrant, and I would say that the U.S. has a lot of, especially from the far right, um, racist moments that are like kind of imperceptible in a way, um, but they're still obviously racist, and I think some people call that a dog whistle. Um, well, in Spain, you get the same thing, uh, but it's mostly against immigrants, and so they're harnessing this form of racism, but it's usually against black and brown immigrants mm -hmm. from undesirable, in quotations, uh, countries yeah. like Northern African countries, um, and then obviously Middle Eastern countries and refugees who are trying to come in in Europe, which is a big problem right now. So what's the, um, what's, I was going to say, what's the official actual immigration policy in Spain right now? Are they like literally saying if you're from like, South South or uh, South Saharan Africa, like we don't want you, or is it just harder to get in now for people? Yeah, definitely. So what they've done, and and one of the ways that they've really enshrined um, racism and I don't know what to call it, classism within their immigration system, is that they have a minimum financial amount of money that you have to present, um, like via your bank account or paychecks. Uh, showing that you earn, I think it's over $10,000, but there's no specified amount, right? So even if you earn like 70,000, they could still deny you and say that it's not enough money. But if you show them that, and it, all of the blogs tend to agree that if you show them around $10,000, then you will get someone to stamp your immigration papers. But good luck if you don't have that amount of money. Right. Well, we've come a long way since the uh, Statue of Liberty or at least anybody actually <laughs> knowing what it says on there. So with that said, transitioning, I know, so yeah, so basically would you say that's the parliamentary system in Spain is why they have those multiple elections if they can't make those coalitions and stuff like that. Do you find that compared to your experience in the US, is that better or worse? Or does it hmm. make sense? I think if you were to ask a Spanish person, they would say it's the most ridiculous, terrible system. I don't think they want a two-party system, but I think what you find is that the multi-party system is not truly representative either. 
in Spain, and that's because of the necessity for parties to form coalitions. Right. So let's say the far left party wins an outright majority. Um, they still have to form a coalition in order to get a supermajority, and a supermajority is what you need in order to rule and have your elected official be the one at top, the prime minister. So right now we have a prime minister who is from the center left party, uh, but he is um, forming and making policies with the far left. So in that way, it's kind of great because you're like, cool, maybe there are different ideas on the table. But at the end of the day, the center left prime minister gets to decide if those policies come forward. And as you can imagine, they so often don't. <laughs> right. But, but I wanted to say about Vox is that because they had the re-election, the center-right party, PP, but we say Pepe in Spanish, lost a substantial number of votes to Vox. So Vox went from 5% of the um, elective body to 10%. Mm. And that was within the span of two months between these elections. So they were able to increase the amount of advertising that they put out on social media. And a lot of that advertising is sort of like those bots, those scary bots with like, ah, the world's going to end. There will be, we'll be overrun with immigrants and blah, 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 unless you vote Vox. Um, and so Vox has been, um, been getting flack because they, we're having meetings with Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon came all the way to Spain. They televised these meetings and Steve Bannon counseled them and all the things that they should do in order to win more votes. And it's working. Yeah, I know. He, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I knew, I knew a little bit. I knew he basically went on a fascism Euro trip tour for a while, right? Mm -hmm. He was going to different countries and trying to help their right wing movements and organizations win. But I don't know. I haven't heard from him since. So no, right. he's up to. I don't know if he has to be heard from. Actually, I read an article the other day. He's trying to reach out to the Bernie um, far left people, and he's calling to uh, to come together over something called economic nationalism. And that's this concept of our economy is tanking because of how the government is mishandling it. Um, and let's hold nationalist fealty. Uh, to this idea that our economy isn't working. So let's do anything in order to get it back to the way it was, even if that means opening up the economy and killing a bunch of older or more vulnerable people who can't withstand uh, the virus when the, economy with, uh, when the economy opens up again. So that's a good transition to talk about American politics. I would say I, <laughs> I, I slightly, well, okay, I barely agree with him on that. I do agree in the sense that I really feel like there's a, at least a movement or opportunity for a chance for like the right wing populism and the left wing populism to come together because, and maybe you may not disagree. I even saw Obama give us, give like a, a lecture or, or an interview on this. He basically said that like all of the, all of the most, for the most part, and a little bit different now that Trump's president that I even have to say that it's like, <laughs> reality. Yeah. but Basically, the Democratic and Republican parties, basically, when it comes to policy, they basically agree on everything. He said they, mm -hmm. he said they have 70% agreement on policy. My dad always said there's about this much difference. And, you know, when it comes to, like, those cultural issues, whether it's, like, gay marriage or, like, immigration, or you can even say, you know, abortion or gun control, all these things, those are the issues that create the divisions in our country. But those are not, I mean, as much as important as those are, those aren't really like 
put it this way, they always manage to pass the tax cuts together. Or they always manage mm -hmm. to increase the military budget together. But then they just, and they just, they say all these Democrats are going to take away your guns. All these Republicans are going to take or stop abortion, but this stuff never really happens. But that's just like mm -hmm. the, the red meat they throw at you to keep you distracted by the fact they're all being ripped off. So sure. I kind of agree with him in that very small, very minimal part. Obviously, I don't contone his fascist tendencies at all. But no. I feel, and this or even is, his economic right, and, and that's the thing. Economic, like <laughs> clearly, we need uh, economic populism in the country, but that's not necessarily the same thing either. That's just economic nationalism is. Fuck everybody else. Let's do what we need to do for us, I guess. I don't even know right. what he means. But that's not necessarily what I agree. I'm more focused on, like, you know, we just had this coronavirus thing, and they, they basically pumped trillions of dollars into the stock market and the right. corporations and bailing. Like, they literally bailed out the cruise line industry, which is, like, the least necessary or least deserving of any industry at all. Which, by the way, did you even know they're not even American companies, so they don't even pay taxes? <laughs> And they employ like people from third world nations and pay them like pennies to the dollar that Americans. Sure. So it's just, but they do that and they can't give us healthcare, you know, which is actually cheaper all around. If you just simplified everything or, you know, tuition free college, these are outrageous things, but yeah. they, they literally were pumping a trillion dollars of cash into the wall, into stock market a day mm -hmm. just to keep it afloat. And it's like, you can't use, I mean, they're going to keep using that argument, but you really can't say that with a straight face anymore. That no. how you're going to pay for it is like a hack thing to say. Yeah. So that's I know. I wonder if Joe Biden is still using that. I haven't been listening to, well, to him at all. We might, <laughs> might as well bring it up. So you, obviously you have your strong opinions on that from a very specific reason. So I give you the opportunity to go completely wild on this now. Go ahead. <laughs> what you want yeah so when i found out that joe biden was running in this election um i was really disappointed mostly because i knew that from when he was being vetted for um president obama's vice president vice presidential role there was a lot dug up about him sexually assaulting and sexually harassing women um prominent women who are politicians and working for him uh, in various capacities who have come forward. In fact, we now know that there have been exactly eight. Um, and even some of them have spoken out recently. But what's happening recently is that they're not getting any airtime in mainstream media and a lot of mainstream media like MSN, even the New York Times isn't showing um, a lot of terror reads accusations so it i think it came out like about a month ago it was a really big deal in alternative left media sorry not alternative left but like more left media <laughs> um and then the mainstream media was just really quiet about it and so that was really strange i think it's a concerted effort to um promote joe biden we know he's a centrist politician who at the end of the day will mostly keep um, in terms of financial inequality, he'll keep everything running the same. Um, so I guess I understand why, but what that does is it, I think it shows and, and just sends this message to any woman who's, or any person who's ever experienced sexual harassment before by either a male coworker or just anyone that if you come forward, 
you are not to be trusted, you are not to be listened to, um, because at the end of the day, everyone is going to take the side of the more powerful person in the situation who is almost always the male. Um, so I know, yeah, personally, in my experience, I've had a coworker who was sexually harassing me, leaving me weird notes about a lot of weird things. Um, and I was really creeped out by it. I didn't think I could do anything about it. Um, this was a college library job, by the way. <laughs> and then I spoke out. I talked to my boss and I said, hey, this guy is leaving me these messages. What can I do? And the option they gave me had to do with me changing my behaviors, which was you have to quit your job and we'll transfer you to another library on the campus. Whereas nothing happened to him. And yes, he'd been in the company longer or in the library system longer. Um, and he had these protections. He just had people watching out for him, but I didn't feel like I had anybody watching out for me. And initially I was blamed. Why were you talking to him? I was asked before they asked what, why did he send me, give me those weird letters, creepy letters to begin with. Um, so I felt really dismissed in that situation. I think a lot of women have experienced or felt really similar things. And in the case of Tara Reed, she, you know, I think she's told her story many times. I don't want to tell it, um, you know, in, out of respect for her. Um, but basically, he, when it, after it happened, she came forward um, to her closest peers, but she didn't go, come out to the leadership. She didn't come out and tell the people in her workplace about it. Because as a woman, you know that there will be retaliation, especially if you've experienced it before. Um, you know that people won't listen to you. People will question you. And nothing usually happens to the man in this situation who's doing the sexual harassing. Um, and so and I don't blame her. This was back in the 90s where people even give you, give women less credence or less, uh, less accountability for that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, this was right after um, Anita Hill was, came on um, as a witness on, in the Clarence Thomas uh, judicial hearings to whether or not to appoint him as Supreme Court justice. He's still a Supreme Court justice, even though she said that she was, I don't remember, but definitely sexually harassed by him, if not raped, I can't remember exactly, or at least pressured into doing sexual things that she didn't want to do. Um, and then in that context, when she was coming forward, all of the politicians on that committee were just hounding her with questions and making her retell her story over and over again and basically disbelieving her. They weren't going to let her leave that courtroom unless she said, okay, you're right. I made up, I made all of this up. Um, and even Joe Biden was just tolerating that. He didn't stop it from happening. He questioned her. He made it seem like she was lying. And I think if you're a person who has respect for the most vulnerable people uh, in our society, and that's women, that's women of color especially, that's immigrants, you don't treat someone like that when they're on tri trial. You understand that there is a power dynamic going on. And it just seems like Joe Biden doesn't keep that in mind at all. He's just your good old boy who can get away with anything, it seems at this point. And the amount of people um, supporting him and attacking uh, Tara Reid right now on both social media and the news, just it breaks my heart because I want to be believed personally, but now I feel like I can't share my story because it'll be politicized within this context. Well, I was gonna say, unfortunately, the, I feel like obviously 
the actual act of it happening is obviously terrible, but I feel like the worst like societal repercussion is how like all the same people that were dumping on Trump and Brett Kavanaugh completely flipped immediately just because now it's their guy. So it like yeah. they basically they basically nuked the whole Me Too movement for mm -hmm. Joe Biden. Like it's not even for mm -hmm. like like you know, it's not even like some young progressive guy that maybe made a big mistake back then, but they're, they're, they're basically nuking the, the Me Too movement for freaking Joe Biden. Like, what? You know, it's like <laughs> he's been, I mean, he's basically been a senator his entire life and he was vice president. And he only was, I mean, honestly, if you look back and think back, then he's only, he, he Obama made him vice president because he's like, he's like, look, I know I'm, he's like, I know whatever I'm just gonna say he's like you know I know you guys are scared he's telling us like middle America he's like I know you guys are scared because I'm like the black guy right but here's Joe Biden he's like generic white guy politician so if anything happens to me or I got him by my side like nothing to worry about right so he was that's why he was basically chosen because he was like the standard bearer generic status quo systematic system guy and now he's mm -hmm. like and that's why he ended up where he, I mean we can talk about how he how he ended up in this situation but he really is the worst candidate they could have come up with, maybe except for Bloomberg, who was pretty much yeah. like openly like was like a Republican two weeks ago, you know, and he has his, <laughs> his own problems. And he spent like how much I forget he spent at least a billion dollars or almost half a billion dollars or something just to and uh, it was just a waste. And I mean, at, at least that shows you can't just buy an election, thankfully, like that was a failed experiment. But, you know, Joe <laughs> Biden's been in public life for almost 50 years and he's pretty much been on the wrong side of everything yeah our career and then we ended up with this and clearly you know i was a bernie guy i will say this no, no one ever believes me but i was a i was a fan of his before it was cool like i, I first heard about him and when i was in college in 2007 and my professor was saying we've only had like one independent person for the last like however many years and he had just gone from being a congressman to a senator he's like whoa look at this look at this guy and you know he got scammed again not nearly like they it's basically been proven that like in 2016 they literally scammed it and then they i don't know if you know this they actually they 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 got sued and the dnc basically admitted in court that and i'm paraphrasing this but they're basically a private corporation so they can do whatever they want and the voting doesn't matter and this isn't this wow. they this was, and this was in 2016, after 20, that 2016, when they got caught scamming the election. And, you know, he worked hard to get Hillary elected and it didn't work out, obviously, for various reasons. And then he just constantly got shit on by Hillary still to this day. I don't know if you heard yeah. about that. She, like, why? Like, she, she made that documentary. She's like, oh, nobody likes him. He doesn't do anything. He's a career politician. It's like, oh, what, and you're not? You know yeah. what I mean? And it's just, it's sad because... For a second there, I really thought we had a chance, but then you saw the, the system went to action once they knew. Mm -hmm. Like once Joe Biden won that one primary, because he'd recently been running for president for 30 years. Like he, that's the thing. There's all this stuff they haven't even talked about really from like the reason he had to drop out in like 88 because they found him, he was plagiarizing stuff. Right. Like no one's even talked about plagiarizing this. Plagiarizing a British yeah. prime minister, so I think. We got, we got all the tapes. This happened already. Just the media doesn't seem to even be talking about it. And I'm surprised, you know, and it's, I'm, who knows if it's all going to come out. But the point is, and going back to the whole Tara Reid thing, and I hate to say this, but sadly, 
I mean, like I said, look who our president is, right? How many, he had like over 20 women come out and accuse him of various things, whether it's inappropriate comments or literal rape, like him just saying- Yeah, underage rape. And him just- Like he's raped a minor. Yeah. That's disgusting. And he's our president. And him just saying like weird, creepy shit, like on camera or on video, like on Howard Stern's show or just an interview. I remember there was one thing he said, like he said somebody's like daughter was walking and she was like 15 years old. And he's like, in 10 years, I'll be married to her and like creepy shit like that. Like on Howard Stern, Ugh. he said he was in charge of like the Miss America pageant or something. And he says he used to like go like in the back and watch them like undress or whatever, because he can do that. Mm-hmm. He was, it's just like, and, and then there, of course there was a the whole access Hollywood infamous thing, which we all thought like, Oh, this is a wrap. Like, yeah, can't win now. And everybody freaked out and they were saying, but we're at a point where that doesn't matter, obviously. I mean, enough Americans are like, you know what? Fuck them. Fuck it. I don't care. Like, they don't care. They didn't care. Like, aside from all the reasons, and that's where we're at. And just like the Joe Biden situation, you know, they're just making up excuses. There's no standards. You just throw everything out. And the, the main issue is, I think, and clearly it's bad, but I feel like for whatever reason, no one else is like come forward in a in a similar vein and i think like that's their that's the people's rationale you know like mm-hmm. like when harvey Weinstein when the harvey Weinstein thing broke it was like was it like six thirty to 50 women just came out and they all said the same story so it's like well we can't pretend this didn't happen or like bill cosby has been doing it for like 50 years and all these women came out mm-hmm. so i think it's the fact that it's just like this one woman who made such this, such a serious thing is there right. and i think what the media is trying to do is trying to keep it um, under wraps for the most part because they're trying to say, oh no, it was only one woman. Right. But since then, there have been interviews with other women just recently. I, I can't remember her name, um, but she was running for a political seat in her state at the time and she was um, waiting with Joe Biden before going on stage because he was doing a promotional tour, I think. And she said that she that day she hadn't had time to shower because it's like crazy on the campaign trail. You're always busy. And so she was self-conscious of the way she smelled. And then um, she said she felt Joe Biden like lean into her hair and he was just smelling it. Um, And she said she felt first really ashamed because she's like, I'm dirty and this man is smelling me. But then she started thinking, oh my God, is the vice president smelling my hair? Like, what, what is he doing? This is such a creepy thing. And it's like, okay, you know, maybe it's just childish behavior, but taken as a whole, um, the, I don't know, the, the domineering, um, behavior of this woman is here for my pleasure. And this woman is an object that I can do with whatever, um, is, is a lot of the same logic that goes into um, violent assault and rape even. And so, yes, he's not been accused of those things, but what it shows is just a complete lack of respect for women's bodies, women auto- women's autonomy, women's consent. Um, and then he made a joke, I think, afterward, where he made he hugged one of the female candidates, I think, on stage, and he said, it's okay, she gave me consent beforehand, ha, 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 as if it's, it's a funny joke getting consent and it's not a funny joke women have been oppressed for centuries um getting consent is very very important so it's frustrating (laughs) and yeah i mean i was gonna say that's just one uh, it's sad 
it, that's just one of the one of the main reasons why he's just a terrible candidate as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and this is the thing. It's like you know, I feel like the people wanted really did want Bernie, and he was doing very well, like I said. And then then Joe Biden went South Carolina, and then that's when the machine kicked in. I don't know if you heard the backstory, but they're, they're supposedly saying because that's when everybody everybody else pretty much dropped out immediately. So yeah. To make way for Joe Biden. Right. So the rumor on the internets, as the kids say, was that basically after Joe Biden won South Carolina, then Obama made the phone calls and got everybody Mm. to drop out and said, all right, you drop out, you're going to get this position, you're going to get this. They called the coalescing around Joe Biden Mm -hmm. because that was always the thing from the beginning. It was like anybody but Bernie, honestly. Right. And And it makes me wonder how Obama, I mean, I'm still one of those... Um, I guess blinded Democrats who's like, yes, he did a lot of bad things, but I think deep down he wanted social progress. And, but then to see him now without re-election or anything over his head, still support a very, like in most European countries who would consider Joe Biden to be like a right-leaning candidate, actually. And it just, I guess I'm still disappointed. <laughs> well, well, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, yes, our whole, the whole American politics is skewed to the right where Bernie, and, and you can tell me, and you tell me if I'm correct, but people say he's like, he'd be considered like a moderate in European standards compared to his sure. policies. So our whole political Especially system- Especially with healthcare. <laughs> yeah, our whole political system is skewed to the right. So even like a left-leaning Democrat is considered left, even though they're probably like right of center in Europe. So it's a whole mm-hmm. other dynamic. And the thing is, and this is what people don't want to say, is like Obama is obviously still a very admired uh, person in politics, Democratic Party, blah, 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 whatever. But it's like, think, like, luckily for him, he has charisma because, <laughs> I mean, put it this way, I've, I've again, I've always been a, a weirdo when it comes to politics. Like, I was, I've, I've been an independent since I was 18. Uh, I, I always call, I never, I didn't, I never fell for the trap of Obama, mm-hmm. as they call it, because clear, I mean, clearly, even back then, I never said, I never specifically said it was, he won because it was race-based. Like, clearly that was an inspirational thing in the moment for him. But he, he was smooth, right? He was, he was just smooth. He, he basically seduced America. And after George mm-hmm. W. Bush, can you, like, compare and contrast? It's like, oh, God, please. Like, <laughs> fine. Let's go in with, like, the this, this smooth-talking black guy. And let's be clear, like, he's not, his, his backstory isn't that of a typical African-American man either. Like his no. father was a like a Harvard guy from Africa. His mother was a white chick from uh, Kansas. Hawaii. Oh, he well he he grew up as far as I know. Like, again, people tell me if I'm wrong, but then he ended up growing his he ended up growing up in Hawaii with his parent or grandparents. But yeah, you know, he I mean, he went to private school his whole life, and he, you know, I don't know if you know his backstory. Like, he basically like admitted to doing coke in mm-hmm. one of his books, and it's like. How this guy get into like Columbia and Harvard? He's doing all these drugs all the time, but it's it's more I mean, than that. But don't they all up there at the top? Well, that's the thing. It's just <laughs> like, and put it this way: part of the issue is if he was anybody else, like if he was like a black guy doing cocaine in the '80s and he got busted, his whole life would be completely different. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be married to Michelle. He never would have been president. He'd probably be like still in prison, Barry on the mm. block. You know, and, and seriously, like that's, and that's the way we, so he was always, he never, at least from my perspective, he was never really part of the, I guess, traditional African-American experience. He always, he was, it was, he was outside of politics in a sense. Hmm. Like he never really, he wanted, never really wanted to play the political game. So he's always like aloof. He was more of like an orator and a, and a statesman, not an actual like 
political fighter. But the real, but aside from that, all that, like, the real issue I have with him is his actual policies, because clearly he, he ran as a progressive, an inspirational figure, like hope and change. But as soon as he got in there, I don't know if it was money or they showed him like the JFK video of like, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't do what we say. Okay. I mean, whatever, who knows? But he completely like just became another generic centrist neoliberal, but at least he sounded good while he was doing it. It's like, that's yeah. the best you can get. So I never, like I said, I never, I didn't, never voted for him. I didn't fall for the trap. I always thought the same way. Again, my whole political politics are skewed a certain way, but I really feel like in hindsight, he was a big disappointment to a lot of people. I mean, he's, he's certainly eloquent and inspirational in that sense. But again, to me, this is all, it's kind of similar to, it's like, it's all fluff. Like, mm -hmm. here's how nice he sounds when he's like drone striking people. Like, right. and I, and yeah, again, then, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he had like the highest deportation rates of any president, maybe and even in history, but certainly in the last like few decades. So it's like all this stuff people really don't want to talk about. Like, mm -hmm. and, and that's what's hilarious is that he himself said, if, if this was the 80s, I'd be a Rockefeller Republican. And the hmm. whole time the Republicans are calling him a socialist, 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 or a communist, like it's a bad thing. When, man, you know how much money this guy took from Wall Street and his cabinet, which is like Wall Street people? And that's basically the exact same thing we're going to get with Biden. And the problem with oh, that is this, the whole Possibly stuff, worse. <laughs> well, that's the thing, is the main issue is that he, Biden's saying, I'm, you know, his quote is, nothing will fundamentally change. And we're gonna let, let's let's pretend like it's 2012 again. Everything was great for right. great for, but they're missing the whole point. Is all of the last basically since Reagan, and all of those neoliberal and conservative policies have basically led to the death of the middle class and all of these economic issues, which basically allowed someone like Trump to win because he yeah. ran as a populist. He's a fake populist, obviously. He's a he's a liar and a cheat. I can go on a whole thing on that. My dad actually indirectly worked for Trump back in early 2000s. So I have personal experience about oh. how shitty he was, whether you believe <laughs> me or not. I'll just, I'll just tell me. I'll just let it really <laughs> quick. So my dad ended up uh, as a property manager for a property management company. I don't know if you thought basically companies that manage condos and hotels, if they don't want to do it themselves. So his company was contracted to run one of the Trump towers in South Florida. It was technically a ho condo hotel. It was this weird thing. You basically buy a unit. Sometimes you live in there. Sometimes you rent it out, blah, blah, blah. And, don't, and people also don't forget that he doesn't really do anything. He just licenses his name off mm, people. Of course. And then everybody does all the work. So it, even though it was still a Trump building, he didn't really have much to do with it. His name was on it. But these two other asshole guys, it was like a father and son, uh, Florida real estate company did it. But part of my dad's job as the property manager was basically his firsthand experience. He basically had to tell like all the local contractors that they just weren't getting paid. Really? That's and this is and people and this is known. People know this. Like part of with Trump, he just wouldn't pay people for their jobs. Ugh. He either say it's no good, I'm not going to pay you, or let's say he, let's say he owed you like a hundred grand, he'd be like, "Here's ten thousand dollars. Take it or sue me." And this wow. is like, this is way before anything like this is like you know i mean yeah. pre-apprentice or right when the apprentice was happening and he's done this for like decades but his whole shtick is marketing that's all he is yeah. he, he knew how to sell himself and we just arrived at this point like the thing is is a lot of people last in the 2016 election 
people were just desperate. And I, because with Hillary, and she had a lot of issues, which we may or may not or want to bother getting into. <laughs> but what she represented was just like Joe Biden, nothing will change. So if your life sucks right now, if you have no hope for yourself or your kids, Hillary's basically saying nothing will change at all. So all right. we'll keep shit. that long strand of no hope going. And then here comes this like, <laughs> you know, orangutan man yelling and screaming like things are going to things are going to be awesome i'm going to kick a lot of ass everything's going to be great and even people like if you ask a lot of those people like pre that election like especially like southerners or midwesterners are like yeah they know this guy's some like scumbag asshole from new york city but at that election they're like well what's the other option this guy he's probably lying to me but he might not be and with her i know exactly what i'm going to get so mm -hmm. I think a lot of yeah. a big portion of the voting base, at least in that election, that's what happened. And clearly there's like, you know, he, he clearly went for like the racist vote and all that stuff. Those, but I feel like those are the, those are like the outliers. I feel, Cause you don't win with just your crazy 30%. There were clearly, clearly some like normal people that were just like, you know, I just can't do this anymore. But I'm curious, curious as two things, why you think he won and how conspiratorial do you get with 2016? Because some people think it was like the rush. Probably about as conspiratorial as everyone, I oh. imagine. No more, no less. <laughs> but I think, so first of all, I like to put it into the context of how much of the population actually voted for him. So if roughly, I know it's a little over that, but in the last presidential election, it was really low turnout, actually. Um, less than 60%, I think. And less than half of that percent voted for him. So in total, it's between a quarter and a third of the population right. actually voted for him, who went to, you know, to the polling place and ticked his name. So that means over 66% of Americans, probably around 70, um, didn't vote for him, but are represented by him. Um, so there's that. It's a very small percentage of the population. Of those people, I think they have a variety of reasons to vote for him. I think two of the big social ones, one you've already mentioned, the um, racism, they heard those dog whistles and said, yes, a politician who finally represents us, um, which is terrible because before that it was low key and now it's more obvious and more virulent for a lot of people, I think. Um, hate crimes are going up, um, it's terrible. The other, um, dog whistle issue was sexism. I think there are a lot of people who were willing to say, I will have any candidate but a woman. Um, and so they also went for Trump as well. And then I think you have that populist group. And what does populism mean to break it down? I would say it, it's folks who um, maybe they're not very invested in the news media, um, but they're more invested in their religious organization. And I think what the far right has done very well is to harness religion, churches, church organizations, big macro churches, um, and and get them to vote a particular way. So a lot of people who are these, you know, mildly politically interested but very religious folks are coming out and voting for the first time or voting for Trump um, when ordinarily they wouldn't have. Um, and then I think the fact that he stands for, you know, pro-life over, you know, pro-choice, um, he 
he's their one issue candidate. As long as he's pro-life, they're going to vote for him, even if he's a pig and a scumbag and all that stuff. Well, and here's the thing. He's always been a piece of crap. But people yes. forget, like, he, he, was a, he was a New York City Democrat till like, 2008. When Somehow. Obama, when <laughs> I don't Obama, know how he's the Democrat. <laughs> well, he, but he, that's the thing. He used to be pro, he used to be pro-universal health care, pro-choice, pro-gun control. And <laughs> I think maybe, maybe, I mean, that's the thing. I always used to say, I feel like he's more greedy than he is racist, for whatever that's worth, because it's like, if you got money, I'll take it. But that might have been the switch, because he really was a Democrat until Obama was president, and he switched to Republican. So he really does seem to have some sort of, like, personal, emotional hatred or insecurity about Obama, for whatever reason that is. Yeah, Obama, and, and I think... I mean, God, I don't even want to think about how he must look at the world, but I mean, the, the way he's so easily, I mean, is racist. And I think maybe, probably even, you know, this, the, and I can't remember, um, Central Park Five, that was his doing. He put out an, a giant ad in the New York Times against these five African-American, I want to say children who were in the park at the time, a woman, a white woman was murdered and raped and Trump basically said we must we mustn't condone you know this black rape and blah 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 of our city when all five of these boys were um what's the word they were they were excused they didn't actually commit the crime at all but Trump was for this idea of criminalizing them and I think that comes from his deeply rooted racism that he's always had um and that was in the 90s well i was gonna say i forgot exactly for a while i forgot exactly when but i think the feds got after him and his dad like back in the 80s because they found out they were basically like illegally discriminating against letting black people live in their properties so yeah so the racism thing is like a long time long-term thing part of him but as far as politics and ideology aside i honestly he has none like he, that's why, again, he was a Democrat. Again, he was a New York City guy. So he was like, I'm just, everyone in New York City is a Democrat, so I'll be one too. And then yeah. he decided to become Republican. And, you know, he, a lot of the policies that he does or pushes for weren't traditionally considered Republican at the time. He literally just does whatever he thinks will get people to like him. Like if we could just like take him and like, I, w- I wish we could like Truman show him and just like put him in like a box and then he can like give his, cause he loves giving his speeches when anything else, that's what he loves. You know, he loves the attention. He loves being admired and like worshiped. And if that's all he, if that's all he could do, like we'd all be better off. Like we should just like put him in a giant Truman show dome and just let him give speeches and then he'll be happy. But. <laughs> oh God, I wish that was what was happening this whole time. <laughs> but and, and, not, not the reality that we live in. I did just want to bring that up. The populism thing, at least the definition, is a political approach that strives to appeal to ordinary people who feel their concerns are disregarded by established elite groups. So yeah, populism isn't necessarily a right or left thing. It can apply to both. And that's what I was saying, like populists on both sides and how do you approach it? And that's what brings me back to Joe Biden because we got scammed last time. We're getting scammed again. I feel like 2016 was the year that anything could have happened. Like I would have loved Mm -hmm. to, Bernie should have one ran as a third party or an independent. And I honestly believe that he could have won that because both of them, that's the thing, they both, Hillary and Trump both ran as the most like, both of them were the most historically disliked candidates in history. Like nobody except for like diehard 
political people were like, they're like, oh, this is really it. <laughs> I really feel like there was a chance. And I think they've done like statistics and polls after polls, like Bernie would have walked away with it. Yeah. But the system didn't want him to win. And with Joe Biden, yeah. part of me is, it's, I mean, you tell me, I honestly think they don't want to win or they, or, or they don't even care. They don't necessarily care if they don't, as long as it's not Bernie, mm-hmm. because if Bernie was president, then their, their nice comfy lives might change. They might have to pay more in taxes, all their fake jobs they have as right. like lobbyists. I mean, the thing is, is that they would still have really nice cushy lives. A lot of these- They don't um, want to take the risk. They're multi-millionaires. They Even if you were to pay risk. 90% taxes, you would still have a really cushy but life. That's the thing, they don't care. They would, and they, they fought harder to stop Bernie both times than they ever fought against the Republicans. So as long as it's not, and and again, from what I've heard, like they really don't care if they lose or not, because that's why some people are saying they're just kind of like, just like throw Joe Biden at him because they don't want to, they don't want to waste a good candidate for next time. Like they're thinking it's a wash anyways, because remember, I always say statistically speaking, most presidents get reelected. So you already have that against them. And the fact that after all this, you guys still have the country just like, no, he's a good president. He's the best president ever. You liberal communist cuck, you know what I mean? Or, or libtard, which I, if, if someone says libtard, I, I don't talk to them anymore because that's just like. That's probably a good. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. But I feel like last time we should have had, it was like, I say last time when it was Trump, it was like corporate fascism versus social democracy. That would have mm-hmm. been like the, the final choice for America to choose. Like, what do you want your future to be? And we never had that. We had. You know, like, want to be fascist versus, like, mm, corporate Democrat. Same stuff over and over again. So, of course, that lost. Of course, she lost. Mm -hmm. If you just if you just break it down, like, take away all like the the like the sexism and the hate, hate of Hillary, but you just offer those two choices. It's like, well, here's the same shit that's been going on for like 40 years and nothing's going to change. Or this asshole who's talks big game, probably full of shit, but things might be different. Like I say, if you break it down, it, it, break it down simple, it makes sense to me. But if you had that really, that the, we never got that ultimate choice and we're definitely not getting mm-hmm. that now. And it wouldn't, it really won't surprise me if he loses Joe Biden, because why, why would we, why, like we're literally doing the exact same thing, but worse because mm-hmm. for, all, for all what you say about Hillary, at least she was, she's smart and tough. And I don't know if you're paying attention, but it really, and this is a whole other like sub controversy, but it really does seem that Joe Biden is suffering from like cognitive decline. Yeah, he seems like he, he is for sure. His speeches sometimes don't make sense. And I'm like, you know, that happens to all of us, but maybe not to the extent as it's happening to him. Um, and I wanted to say two things before. One was that, um, well, it had to do with uh, the, the documentary that I saw recently, Cambridge Analytica. I don't know if you got the chance to watch that, but just the amount of money that poured into the last election and that I know is pouring into this one um, with advertising on social media and how we are so capable of being influenced when we don't know a whole lot about the political situation that's going on. And I have a feeling that a lot of people who choose not to vote in these elections don't vote in part because of these advertisements. So even if, let's say, the Democrats could win for whatever reason, 
they've been discouraged from voting by all the, these ads, attack ads that are going on. Don't vote, show your disinterest in the system and a whole other host of negative political ads that are coming forward. And it seems like the more money you pump into that advertising regime, the more advertisements go out when they can actually influence greatly elections. I mean, in, in the US, it seems like our elections come down sometimes to just individual states, like a few states decide our entire election crazily enough, doesn't seem very democratic to me at all. But if you pump enough um, attack ads into one state, you can influence the entire election. It seems so easy to rig an election in the US. Well, that's the whole thing too. It's like, you know, aside from the admitted scamming of last time, but this whole, this, the whole dynamic change and they say Bernie, one of Bernie's main reasons to drop out so early this time was because of the virus and he deep down, and I, and I feel like that's ultimately the good thing and the bad thing about him. Like deep down, I think he's generally, genuinely a good person who has a kind heart, but he didn't have the, basically the backbone to do what needed to be done to actually win. Because, you know, like mm. he never, because he, apparently he's actually like considers Joe Biden he, an actual friend of his. So he was never willing to like just to, like fillet him and display all of his horrible things on the national stage. You know what I mean? And he, and he got scammed by the DNC last time. He should have basically said, screw you guys. I'm going to do my own thing. Mm. He just didn't have like the killer instinct to win. Obviously, I'd still wish yeah. that he would. And there are some really shadowy um, packs and super packs that have grown, I think, right around the time when Bernie Sanders was starting to win, um, that we were funneling millions of dollars into attack ads against Bernie Sanders. And they weren't even coming from Joe Biden's camp, but they were coming from somewhere. And I think it's the corporate dominated sectors of American society just know that they're going to lose if their tax rates go right. up. And they know that Joe Biden isn't going to change that. So I think it's like, to me, it almost seems like no matter how hard Bernie Sanders would have tried, because he tried so hard, there were so many people who supported him. Um, just wherever you put the money in our political system is going to have the biggest results. Well, and it, yeah. And the entire mainstream media was against him from the beginning. You know, they never gave him a first shake. Oh, always negative, always critical, like just like... I don't. I mean, I, I finally ruined. I ruined MSNBC for my dad when I finally made them realize how how anti Bernie they were. Their Bernie bias. And I don't know if you pay if you used to watch them at all or pay attention at all, but uh, there's like uh, one of the anchors, like Joy Ann Reed. She like hated Bernie before it was cool. So she's always hated, like always been negative against him. And like they had like fake, like they had like body language experts coming on and saying, oh, like oh yeah, he's totally lying. Like just because that's how. <laughs> Like, and this is like supposed to be legitimate news channel. Yeah, it's like and sham is, media. And, yeah, and people, again, it's like the whole, the whole perspective is warped. Is people think that like MSNBC is like the left wing cable news channel. It's like, no, it's not. If anything, it's like no. the, the DNC, DS, DNC, NBC. You know what I mean? Like it's just strictly <laughs> Democrat, corporate Democrat media and never had a chance with that. And I, I, they never would have let him win anyways. That's kind of how I see it in the end. Like, again, I've always been an independent for good reasons since I was 18. But I just, if he actually won the primary, they would just, they would try to scam it at the convention because they already talked about that they would do that. And they've done it before mm -hmm. in the past. We talked historical precedent for that. They did that at least two, the, two, uh, two times that I know of. And let's say he did actually win. Like, I'm not gonna lie, they'd probably just kill him. Like seriously, hmm. like would that surprise you at all? If that actually no. 
If exactly. there was an assassination, no. Right. Like, if they're real, again, because people forget, like, the 60s was a wild time. Like, look how many people they took out that actually wanted to change things. It was just Definitely. one after another, after another, after another. And then it basically killed that whole movement. Mm -hmm. And now they're all right. Because it instills yeah. fear. It's like, is it worth right. it to stand up for what I believe right. in? And now all of those people that were protesting in the 60s voted for Joe Biden. So, because they. That's what shocks me. I'm like, what happens when you begin aging that then changes your mind so well, much that you yeah. become a Republican? Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, we're not that old yet, but I just feel like part of, <laughs> part of it is you're, you're more, you're more micro instead of macro. You're like when you're young and protesting, like, Oh, we got to change the system. We got to, you know, blah, we got to do mm -hmm. all this. But when you're older, you're just like, what's going to make my life easier. What's going to annoy me the least? Like, can I just come home and like do my thing? That's part of it. Yeah. But again, part of it was like the media. And again, even we learned, they, remember they said the same thing about Hillary in 20, uh, 2008, she was the most electable. And in 2016, mm -hmm. she was the most electable. And she lost both times. And they said the same thing about Joe Biden. Like, if he, because their whole anti Trump. Well, she, she won the popular vote. Well, that's she a whole won. other conversation. But I, I realized that she wasn't the most popular candidate, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So she was never going to win because she just didn't have enough support in that sense. So right. they keep saying she was the most electable, and then she lost twice, and they're saying the same thing about Biden and they're expecting different results and they're literally doing the yeah. exact same thing over and over again. And the worst part is no matter how much Bernie tries to support him or, you know, encourage progressives to vote for him, it's still going to be our fault when Biden inevitably loses. I mean, mm -hmm. put it this way, yeah, sure, sure it would be fine if he won. Like, I guess it's technically better in, in the long run or at least in the short term, actually. But for most people's lives, they're still going to be shit. And I feel like if Trump loses now, a worse Trump will come further down the line. Like, thankfully, he's like an incompetent buffoon. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> imagine someone with his, like, power, but with his, with more, comp basically what I'm saying is imagine if someone's a more competent in their fashion. Right, more diabolical. Like and If things don't get better, that's what's going to happen. And again, we might end up in a position where, put it this way, if if the right wing in this country decides to do like a, a 180 and basically embrace economic populism, then we'll end up in a position where they're like culturally conservative, or you could even include racism and economic populism. And that's the scary part, because that's basically, that's when you end up with like German style fascism. Hmm. And that's the thing that might, because again, if you have, if, put this way, if let's say, if they were really evil genius, let's just say Trump and the GOP says, you know what, we're just going to give everybody universal health care and free college, for example. Then you're going to have a lot of people on the left will be like, I mean, he's a piece of shit, but I could really use that. And I feel like mm. it's his pot. And imagine that then you have you like, throw bones. Right. And then you want, like, yeah. what, I'm, what I'm basically saying is imagine how many people would be like, yeah, he's a racist and a misogynist and a sexist and a crook and blah, 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 blah. But he's giving my kids free college and health care. Right. And I'm already doing that for Joe Biden. I'm like, he's a, he's a sexual harasser. Right. He, a lot of his policies are very pro-war, which ends up killing, you know, thousands of people in other countries in America's name. He's all these terrible things, but I'm going to vote for him anyway because he's the least bad rapist, right? And that's, and that's the sad thing. That's what people are, le like, legitimately saying. 
on the internet. I try to stay away from all like social media now because it's I, once I realize it's basically like asshole mega corporations and rich people just weaponizing mm -hmm. and monetizing our anger and hate. But when I'm bored, <laughs> yeah. I occasionally look it up online and people are really seeing this. It's like, well, he, he at least he raped less people. Like oh. that's, that's where we're at. And that's yeah. how fucked up it is. It's like, is this the best we can do? And apparently it is, so. Right, and, and I think my, since I've always been a more action-oriented activist, if you will, in this political time we live in, I think what we need to do is, if we are the kind of person who is engaged into voting, voting happens once every year, every two years, every once every four years, depending on what kind of voter you are, um, which is nothing compared to the entire democratic process. So we could be so much more engaged. And I think the, the more small scale we look, um, as in look at our own communities, the more change we can positively affect. And right now I've, you know, been hearing hundreds of ideas either in podcasts or the internet about how to make our communities a better place. This is in light of a giant political system that doesn't actually help us and doesn't give us funding and takes money away from us basically um, to advance their own corporate ideas of how the state should be. But what you could do is strive for, you know, if in this lockdown you felt, hey, the sky is actually clear for once, you know, other cities, uh, a lot of cities haven't had cars going. So it's like, wow, I can see the stars for the first time. It's actually quiet. I can hear the birds. If that's the society you want to live in, then let's advocate for bikes. You know, let's join our, our local bike group and say like, you know, and, and join their critical mass effort to stop traffic whenever it starts coming back again. And that's just one example of many. You can join your local Black Lives Matter chapter and you can help out with that. And it's not just going to protest. There's so much more on the ground that we can be doing. Um, and so I think if we actually want to positively affect change, that's the direction we need to take right now, in addition to voting, even though even though I, mean, I feel just as disenfranchised as everyone else. Well, that's the thing I was going to say, like, and, and based on this specific primary, because of the, I mean, it makes me even less trusting in our actual election systems because, you know, some states postpone their primaries because of the virus. And I don't know if you know what happened in uh, Wisconsin primary, that the, yeah. governor, the governor was trying to postpone it and he got like double screwed. I think it was the state Supreme Court said they wouldn't let him postpone the primary and then the u.s supreme court said and you can't we're not allowing you to send in late uh mail-in ballots mm -hmm. and i think i think city of milwaukee only had like four percent turnout and they had like yeah 150 polling stations that made it down to five mm -hmm. so first of and all that's a majority black right. um city you and know? I so the african-american yeah. voice was were totally suppressed. And I was going to say though, to me in general, like there's always, all, all, whenever they talk about voter fraud and voter manipulation, all this stuff, it's mostly just lies. It's mostly just reasons to voters to do voter suppression. And, mm -hmm. and something like 50 people who went to that election uh, and cast their ballots in person got the coronavirus. Right. So you're literally killing people. Yeah. And <laughs> it's not just a poll tax, you're dying. Yeah. Yeah. And but I don't know how you can say it's a legitimate when you, a legitimate election that Joe Biden won the Michigan or the Wisconsin primary when he only had like five percent voter turnout. Mm -hmm. So, and like I said, you sh my theory is you should always be making it easier for people to vote, encouraging more people to vote, and 
you know, the, the voter suppression stuff is just done under the guise of voter fraud, which is very minimal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I, that's just where we're headed. And I don't, the elections are becoming less and less legitimate to me in my eyes. And that's what I wanted to bring up right now too, because in New York, I don't know if you know about this. So because everybody else dropped out, they were going, even though they're still having an election, they were going to cancel. The primary election, they were right? Going to cancel. But the thing is, they're still having like other positions being voted on, like congressional seats. So they, they said they were, they were canceling it because of COVID. Like, what's the point? But you're still having an election. Mm -hmm. And then I forgot. Yeah, then uh, someone sued and they went to the federal court. And then the federal court said they had, they had to reinstate it. And then they actually, uh, the, the New York Court of Elections appealed it. So it's like, so why not just let people vote? Yeah, why does it have to go back and forth? <laughs> there's, no, there's no legitimate reason to not let people vote on anything, even if it's a symbolic thing. Like people say they want to vote for Bernie, whatever. Like, at least let them do that. And I, mm -hmm. I, of course, they don't, it gets more, like, they don't want him to have delegates or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's all useless anyways, because they never let him win. But just like, mm -hmm. they won't even let us have, like, the symbolic vote for him. Right, like, which my is dad, really sad. Yeah, my dad, you know, he's a 70-year-old boomer waiting to vote for Bernie in New York, and they were not going to let him do that. And, uh, you know, he, he's afraid to leave his house. That's a whole other conversation. I think they reinstated it, right? So he still can vote for As her. of now, my understanding is it's still going to happen. The New York primary okay. is going to, or the presidential primary for New York is going to happen. There's still congressional people uh, or congressional okay. seats going. But I did want to bring up is that there's two things that I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. So you heard they're basically or uh well actually several so i don't know if they're basically trying to pass another coronavirus like relief bill and i just want to know how much you know about that and what your thoughts on nancy pelosi are because oh. she's really she used to be like this liberal feminist icon at least to me the yeah. last several years especially now she's just shown that she's just she's just mitch mcconnell in a dress basically yeah i'm okay I mean, I'm glad you, yeah especially as far as, <laughs> as far as the actual like like policies and bills she's pushing like right now they're, they're trying to push another bill to relief and republicans are already even saying we're not we're not even going to do anything so have fun so even in this yeah. like purely symbolic bill she's refusing to do anything that like progressives want even if it's right symbolic. like like including provisions for reinstating people's health care who lost them when they were fired from their right companies. Or, just, or just say let's do universal health care at least just for while the virus is out let's just do it and it's actually right. easier and cheaper. And like, no, let's pay Cobra. Let's price gouge ourselves and pay Cobra. And it's just like, even, even in this purely symbolic bill that's probably not even going to get passed, she won't do anything that's even slightly progressive. And yet she's considered this, like, if you talk to Republicans, she's like, it's this horrible San Francisco liberal woman. Yeah, it's so strange. More, our whole, like, the whole, I feel like. Even though she's one of them, really. Yeah, no, and that's like, like she's worth at least a hundred million dollars. Do you realize that? She's, and it's like. I have looked that up once, yeah. Why do you think she cares for you? Right. I don't understand. She doesn't. Yeah. And people, but people think she's like this, I don't know. It's just baffling to me. I mean, I think what you get from the media is this watered down version of feminism. Like, oh, all you need to do is check one box. Is she a woman? Is she in power? then she's a feminist. But I think that when you dig deeper into that line of thinking, like specifically into feminism, you find that it's much more complicated than that. 
Um, and then most people aren't just going to use that criteria to assess uh, whether or not she's actually good for the most vulnerable people in society. Right. Well, yeah. She's not. She's terrible. Right? <laughs> she doesn't support anything that will truly help women and, and girls and anyone who's you know invisible or vulnerable in our society. Yeah, I mean, she won't even like we only got twelve hundred dollars. That was what you that's what they gave to us. And then mm -hmm. that's supposed to be enough. And that they're not letting people go back to work. Like that's why they're having these protests. Because right. people I kind of wish those people would realize like it's not that you're being kept at home and that you're becoming poor because you're staying at home. It's it's you're becoming poor because your government has failed to pass legislation that could keep you safe and not poor because you're going to get a paycheck anyway, you know? Right. And so that's so, not the direction that they're being harmed. So, it's several things about that. I'm so sick of people always like, man, I don't want any handout. I want to go back to work and handouts. And it's like, how are you, how are you going to pay for it? It's like, no, you didn't care. They just gave like tr literally gave trillions of dollars away to rich people and corporations who certainly don't need it and shouldn't get it. Mm -hmm. But you're going to protest to go back to work for your crappy job that's not paying you enough and giving you no benefits. Like, how come these people aren't protesting for universal health care or free college? Like, that's how warped our, our country is. And I really like how Bernie Sanders said it. He said, if you don't feel that you're entitled to those things, then you, you're not going to get those things. If you don't feel entitled to universal health care, entitled to free college, which a lot of other societies give that to their people. Those people feel entitled to that and they get it. And they would be outraged if it was taken away from them. There just aren't enough Americans who, who have had the privilege to see that set of ideas out there and see it working. So they don't know that it, that it has existed well for other folks. You basically, um, you basically took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, like I, I'm always bringing up, like to me, I can see, I have, I live in Taiwan and I, since I'm a legal resident, I get to participate in their national health insurance. So I can go to a doctor without an appointment, pay like $6.65 US, see the doctor, get all my medicine, and be out of there in like less than an hour, and it only cost me six bucks. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> so I think, the, I wish that like everybody, every American should like have to go overseas for like a, like a semester of college or something, and then they can live in these countries and say, oh, it's like, these people aren't like living in gulags and like, red lines and they have like universal health care because it just makes it's cheaper and it just makes more sense. And it's the more okay. like, compassionate thing. It just overall, I guess, in a general sense, it's just we've been doing everything wrong mm -hmm. for like 40 years, basically since Reagan, like literally doing the exact opposite of what we should be doing. Yes. Yeah. Some people have been calling America a failed state, I think, in part because of that. I, I mean, I, uh, unfortunately, I have to agree with them at this point, and that's what the coronavirus basically, like, uh, with the, I guess, the facade away of what our country really is when you get, what do they say, like, 60% of people are, like, living paycheck to paycheck, like, no, have no savings, like, what, how, it's the greatest country in the world, how can mm -hmm. you say that if people are, you know, dying just because they have to go into medical bankruptcy if they get health care? I mean, I got stories where my dad got sick a couple years ago. We did the math, and without his health insurance, his bill was like basically half a million dollars. It's ridiculous. And I mean, we could probably do another time just talk about just horrible health, shitty health stories. I can tell whole stories about that. I know. I think so. I think I, I know at least, you know, a few people who have been affected. 
so that if I know a few people, that means every American probably knows a few people yeah. who've been affected in that way. Yeah. It's insane. Well, I, and I, I, I've, I've been seeing like the, in the U S media that, Oh, the medical stock and hospitals, um, profits are just dropping right now because of COVID because no one's doing elective surgeries or elective procedures. And I've not seen that anywhere else because nowhere else even has that issue they have you know they're dealing with COVID, and then here's the u.s media being like oh no poor hospitals they're losing all their revenue and it's like in what world does that exist right well i mean you keep seeing these articles it's like how COVID is bad for the healthcare business it's like this shouldn't even be a business like not right. everything should or needs to be for profit and that's again it's a whole other rabbit hole we can go down to. I'm sure we can have a whole, we'll talk on the whole thing about like private prisons. That is just failed policy for many reasons. But I did want to say a few things. So I don't know if you heard about this, but they're basically, they're actually, the FBI is actually investigating a couple, like three senators for basically insider trading for the COVID. So you know that story? So they actually, mm-hmm. at least one of the guys they're going after, uh, they basically, uh, took his cell phone to try to get all the information. So I'm, I'm shocked that they're actually going after a few of these people. I mm-hmm. doubt any, I doubt anything will actually happen, of course, but the yeah. fact that they're going after any of them at all is surprising. But he, of course, everything has a conspiratorial uh, tinge to it. So mm-hmm. supposedly, because, you know, basically for any of this to happen, the Justice Department has to let, like, approve of it, which means the Attorney General has to approve. And we know how shitty he is. So the, the rumor on the internets, as they say, is because apparently the, that senator uh, was basically on, like basically was on the report saying, confirming that the Russians hacked the election. There, ergo, Trump's illegitimate, because that's still like in the background. So some people are saying mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't mind if that guy goes away because he's not like 100% on the Trump train. So I, I just thought that was interesting. But I'll be... yeah. I'll be happy if anybody actually uh, faces any justice. So definitely. Yeah. And like, I don't even think, you know, I'm, I'm like you, I'm prison abolition. I don't think anyone should be thrown in jail, but I do think that their hands should be tied. You as a Senator, you shouldn't even be able to hold stock. hundred percent. Yeah. Like how how do we even let this happen? Everybody, either you have to sell everything or it needs to all go into a blind trust. You shouldn't be, Shouldn't you be doing your job? You shouldn't even be managing like stock trades while you're being a senator. And I don't know if you know about the other one that was that Kelly Loeffler. I think she's like a replacement, like put in from Georgia. Hmm. She's officially the wealthiest member of Congress. She's worth $500 million. And her husband is the CEO, I think, or the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange. It's like, what? Yeah. Like, how are you in power? And then she's like, and then she's like, oh, I didn't even do that's like my, my, uh, my finance company does the stock trades for me. It's like, sure. <laughs> and that's, and it, to me, that's not even a good enough excuse. It's like, you shouldn't even be doing this crap at all. If you're dealing with things that directly affect your stocks, even if you're not. Yeah. And that's even, it's like, I, I, like I said, I go, I will talk about the story, but nothing. Like, <laughs> one of the things that pisses me off the most is dumb rich people. Okay. Yeah. And to me, that's a dumb rich person thing. Like, I don't know what happened. My finance, my financiers did it. And I don't know. You know, yeah. Mm. It's like, you're clearly. Well, what I think is crazy. You know, I've been thinking more about stock and the way that works because the company, 
the online teaching company that I worked for uh -huh. went public a couple of years ago. Oh, and ever God. since that happened, yeah. there's been all kinds of changes and they've been cutting our salaries and penalizing us left and right and taking money that we've already worked for. And in the beginning I was like, why are they doing this? Do they want to make all their teachers angry? And now I realized they don't even care because it's just some board of shareholders making these decisions anyway. And they know, they know that they can keep making as much money as they want because we have no collective power and we can't fight back against right. them. Um, so I've been thinking about it and I think a number of people who let's say they have enough money, they're the privileged few who can put money into the stock market, they often don't decide where the, that money goes. They go into a stock, I don't know, a holding company that then decides, okay, we're gonna put money here, here in this company, in this corporation, and they're putting money in big oil, they're putting money maybe no longer in coal, I'm not sure, but, there's a, but in plastic, that's a big one where money is being funneled to right now. But if you ask people, where is your, where are your, your dollars going and what are they supporting? Actually, I think a lot of shareholders um, who are, you know, rich and, and they're largely ignorant of where their money is even going. So it's just this big cyclical problem where they funnel money into this, you know, stock market, stock market then supports the largest companies and those largest companies then pay off the government. The government supports though the interest that they have to continue destroying our planet or you know ruining society and that's that's this endless cycle yeah i mean some people put like i never wanted to do it do because i honestly even before you know our basically economy's crashed twice in just like 10 years basically my lifetime but i've never had faith in those people in the stock market in no. finance because they don't really care it's about like they'll be fired unless they're bringing back dividends or returns to those shareholders so it's kind of like this vicious cycle where it can't really stop unless you throw a you know a wrench into the whole yeah. thing. And this is my total layman's interpretation of how that segment of the economy works. Maybe other people can word that better and it makes more sense to them. But that's how I managed to think about it. Um, and I just <coughs> wish that we could find that, that wrench to stop the system because right now it's just self-congratulatory. It's like this endless loop. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I have zero faith in the financial institutions, but of course they're the ones that got bailed out first, which is why right. there's no leverage to do anything else now. And then they'll they'll back Trump's re-election campaign, so he's giving them direct money, yeah, well, and then they're going to back his re-election. <laughs> and so. And well, that's the thing. I don't I don't know what's happened as of now, but remember that fake or the yeah the fake uh, symbolic bill that the House is trying to pass is at least at the time. I'm not sure if he took it out or not, but Pelosi was actually pushing for them to bail out lobbyists they were That's going ridiculous. To, like how how the fuck does that work right <laughs> like so you're basically going to bail them out to give lobbyists pay lobbyists money which they're going to then give you and can't drink campaign contributions like it's this yeah. yeah you know it's not the revolving door but, but but you can't put people like but you should get back to work you know what i mean you shouldn't get any free money it's like it's our money if anything we're getting it back and right and this is, this is a fallacy with fallacy with our whole like rugged individualism versus socialism thing we i want to well, if we hopefully we keep doing this because i want to do like a whole socialism <laughs> episode we just yeah. kind of, what, what does it actually mean and who's this and what is that but I was going to say, you know, $1,200, that's like, that's, that's it. Take it peasants. Like other countries are doing monthly, like, and I think Canada's doing like 2000 Canadian dollars a month. 
And part of it's that whole American thing is like, you, you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and work hard and you can don't need no handouts. But yeah. there's more to it than that. Like put it this way, let's say, let's say you're right. Let's say the worst case scenario is that you give $2,000 a month to some guy and he spends most of it on like booze, cigarettes, porn, whatever. Mm-hmm. Even if he does that, that's still better for the economy than just giving a guy, a rich guy a tax cut because at least he's spending it. Like they say poor people spend money faster. So if you give yeah, him- they, right. their basic needs, you yeah. know, which falls under $1,200 right. is food and yeah, basic necessities. You're paying your rent. All the, that money goes directly right back into the economy. So like I said, we're, we're literally doing the exact opposite of what we should be doing. Like, again, yeah. Again, worst case scenario. Guy spends all the money on booze, porn, and cigarettes, still better. I mean, he still has to buy food and he still has to pay rent. So right. It's still better. And that's the whole point. Like, still better for the economy than just giving people, rich people and corporations tax yeah. cuts. So. Where they offshore that money and put it in some oh. somewhere for, <laughs> it's just sitting there. Like, bring that money back. <laughs> so speak, I want to bring, those two things I want to bring up before I should probably go to sleep because I'm in Taiwan <laughs> right now and it's what almost, time is it? it's almost midnight. And I, oh, keep, wow. I keep, I keep going, but I could just feel my brain going. What time is it in Spain right now? It's 5.52. It's almost 6 p.m. All right. It's still good for you. So we can say this. Mm-hmm. So here's this two things that are going on right now that I'm hearing about. So first, in spite of all these things being bailed out, Trump and the Republicans are basically saying, we're not going to allow you to save the post office. I don't know if you're, uh. I don't know if you're familiar with what's going on with that, but they're basically trying to ex- Destroy the post office, basically. So there's a few things right. I want to say about that. So here's the thing. I mean, they just, re- I was reading about this earlier because we're talking to my dad, like they have the postmaster generals, typically an apolitical position. We read about this earlier. And, you know, some lady who's been the postmaster general for a long time, apolitical, actually one of the highest paid positions in the government, surprisingly. And of course, he just, he just replaced her with some hack, some like sick event <laughs> guy that has nothing to do with the post office. He probably was like a lobbyist for UPS or something just because that's what you do. Yeah. So he's putting his mm-hmm. hack friends in charge of the post office, but they're also basically going to refuse to fund it. And the, I mean, to me, it's obvious he doesn't want to do that because if there's no post office or you shut it down or you put your hacks in, in front of it or you privatize it, then you can control all, if we do vote by mail, then there you go. Like, do you even, do I even mm-hmm. need to say anything else? Right? Right. Because if we're if we have a majority mail by voting, then that chance mm-hmm. basically always say statistically, the more people if more people vote, Democrats usually win. So if he makes it harder for people to vote by mail, then it, fewer people. Exactly. Okay. So that makes yeah. sense to me. But the but the thing that pisses me off the most is like and you know, some people like on that says like, Yeah, the post office government socialism. I'm sorry for Southerner people. You're not all like that, I know. That's just where <laughs> But the post office is actually one of the few things in the Constitution that says the federal government's supposed to do. So it's like one of the actual, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like actual, like, no, this isn't just like some like bullshit bureaucratic overreach. Like, no, the founding fathers said the federal government should have a postal service. So how can you just not fund that? And again, after you fund, you've bailed out cruise ships and big business and trillions of dollars of Wall Street. Yeah. And you won't, and because the thing is, if you close the post office, it's there. It's like the point is, it sh- it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter if it makes money or not, because it's supposed to be again, it's public service. Because if you give it to right. the post office, 
people won't like rural people won't get their mail anymore because UPS says mm-hmm. it's not financially useful or viable for me to drive out like 500 miles into the middle of right like no matter how much you pay if right. you live out in the middle of the nowhere it won't compensate the cost of right t- and, you shouldn't, your and you shouldn't have there. to pay like 20 dollars to send a postcard to your grandma either so it, no. actually, it actually works really well it's one of the most popular uh like thing or you know uh organizations in the government and i wouldn't surprise me if they just murder that that might be happening soon it might just be closing yeah. and i hope that something happens i don't know what will but again you know they say that jeff bezos is going to be a trillionaire in 2026 so if any of these rich assholes actually care like you know like bloomberg or somebody just be you know what here i'm just going to buy like two billion dollars worth of stamps and here i could probably yeah. I could probably i could probably write it off my taxes anyways as like a donation or something so mm-hmm. why not why not just do that because they don't care it's not more simple no. you know what i mean like it, it's not that i mean they much. benefit they benefit whenever right. because where's that money gonna go if they defund the usps then that means leftover money as an incentive um, or a tax break for amazon because amazon amazon can say hey well, look again, you took this away from us give this money back that's part of the reason that trump wants to gut the postal service because he has that personal stupid rivalry with bezos because yeah mm-hmm. amazon uses the post oh, office and yeah. my theory is trump hates bezos for several reasons bezos actually is a self-made billionaire you know he actually like earned it himself and he's not I mean, in as much as anyone earns money themselves earned, I think all, we all come it. from a network of support yeah. and help throughout our lives but yes he earned it himself without his dad basically but the, and I think the funniest part is, and he's secure about being bald. Okay. Bezos. <laughs> what, so I mean, he's, he's basically what Trump wishes he, and now he's like ripped now, by the way, in like the nineties, he was like this scrawny little guy. Now he's like ripped. And I don't know if you heard that story. Like it got crazy. Like, uh, was it National Enquirer basically got his dick pics and they were, oh, gosh. they were, this was a while back. It's so crazy. But yes, yeah, so I think the, I remember. Yeah. National Enquirer, the friend, the guy who owns National Enquirer is friends with Trump. Right. And they managed to get his dick pics. And they were threatening to like release them. And apparently he just said, I'm Jeff Bezos. I'm the richest man in the world. Go ahead. Really? You know, hmm. it's, it's just crazy. But it's like such, it's like the Obama, it's just such like personal petty reasons. And that's, that's like, there's one half the reason he wants to close the post office so people can't vote. But the other half is it literally will hurt Jeff Bezos and Amazon. And they'll privatize it or we'll have to send uh, grandma or postcard for 20 bucks. Yeah, I feel like it should be said too in this conversation about Jeff Bezos and Amazon that I think what we know about capitalism and how tragic and terrible it is, is that at least on a very small local scale, it can work to support people within your community. It doesn't work for everyone, but at the very least, if you are buying local products, you are supporting people in your community. Right. If you then in turn buy everything on Amazon, it's going to put your local, you know, people, your neighbors out of business. And so the the amount of hardship Jeff Bezos has put so many millions of people in because they've lost their jobs, because people have turned from buying local and gone to you know, buying corporate um, is sad. It's criminal. And I, I, I don't know if he looks at it like, like that you know, or if he has this idea of his self-worth of, oh, I'm so great. I've put all these people out of business. 
to me, that's sad. And I think that Amazon should be avoided at all costs if you can. I know it's harder during these times of COVID, but look for your local businesses and call them up directly and order things from them. If you can help it, you know, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to everyone, but. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, they're saying all these, like Amazon included, all these billionaires are actually making more money during the pandemic mm -hmm. because people have to use their easily easily accessible and deliverable products so mm -hmm. that's not good either and again i think i want to we'll do another time i just want to have a we'll talk about the whole socialism capitalism big business thing because but just generally speaking i feel like in america the whole warped perspective is like big government is bad it's like yeah but what if amazon is this huge mega corporation where he's basically the dictator of a corporation and then like ideally, think of it this way, send your kids to Amazon school so they can get job, Amazon jobs while watching Amazon TV shows. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that's, that's possible. That can happen. Definitely, and why is, yeah. And why is that better than the government? Like in theory, like again, since we're a self-governing country, at least in theory, we're supposed to be, mm -hmm. government, we're, government's supposed to protect us from them. Now it's right. like, now people say the government's getting in the way of this business and like, you know what, if he wants to be a trillionaire, fine. If we, if this country allows him to become a trillionaire, fine. But we shouldn't be having trillionaires if we still have like thousands of people homeless. Like, right. you know, and, and not tax him. You know, he's like, concentrating why? all this wealth. That money used to be yeah. in the pie that your everyday average American shared of this wealth. Right. And now it's all just. Yeah. And that's what I want to say. Like this, the myth of the free market, we can talk about that again later, but it's mm -hmm. like, People say, this is a free market economy. We don't want any damn socialism. It's like, uh, <laughs> last time I checked, bailing out cruise line industry isn't free market. Economy. No. So we, and like, up. Yeah, this is yeah. a long, I mean, it's happened for decades now, but it's like, they, was it, you know, they say uh, privatize the profits, socialize the liability. Like they can't lose. They can't mm -hmm. lose. And you, why, why bail out the airline industry if nobody's flying? They're just going to fail again in right. like anyway you're just putting more money in the coffer of the ceo yeah, yeah. so Unless, like, I, like i said we took an airline we took a flight the other day right. from chile here a repatriation flight that the government supported financially yeah. we still had to pay right and they didn't give us our money back right <laughs> so yeah that's uh, good and we'll have i want to have a whole conversation later but last thing i want to end with is last time i heard so apparently the supreme court is hearing a case finally about his taxes, Trump's taxes, because I guess, was it a uh, congressional committee subpoena his taxes? And was it the, uh, I want to say, was it the local federal attorney for New York uh, is asking for his taxes as well? And it's finally going, it's the Supreme Court's finally hearing it. And now they're not sure because historic, the precedent historically has been when like presidents are being investigated and they've usually been unanimous decisions and they, uh, basically give the power to Congress because Congress mm. is generally the more direct representative of the people. So you want to give mm -hmm. them the benefit of the doubt, so to speak. But now because we live in such contentious times, there's, it used, like I said, when it was Nixon, when he didn't want to give up his tapes, it was like a unanimous decision. It was like eight to zero. One guy mm. abstained or uh, what's the word? Uh, whatever. Recused himself. Mm -hmm. And it says, okay. no, president has to turn over his tapes for a criminal investigation. So now they're worried it might be a split decision, but not even that. It's like, what's the big deal? For like, you know what I mean? Like first I said, okay, so first if he, if he was actually, my thing is I think he's just, cause he's actually not as rich as he says he is. 
So it might not necessarily be like, oh, he's scamming with the Russians or he has all these shady business deals that may or may not be in there. But I think the truth is he's probably just not as rich as he says he is. He's just ashamed to do that. Because to me, if he was an actual billionaire and he could prove it, he'd be shoving that shit in our face every day. Like, yeah. to me, it's obvious. So the, the, you know, his lawyers are saying we shouldn't allow the president to be harassed or that they're saying it'll, oh, it'll interfere with his duties to, it'll, or it will distract him too much to turn them over. It's like, dude, you know, he's never <laughs> seen, he pays some company to do it for him or, okay, so next time he's playing golf, can we get him to, to give us his taxes right. then too? So uh, or watching Fox News or whatever else he does at this time. Yeah. So I mean, I'll I'll be put it this way. I'll be shocked if uh, the Supreme Court actually forces him to do it. Well, it's not even him. They're basically subpoenaing his the companies that did the taxes for him, and they'll say we'll comply with the the verdict. Mm-hmm. So okay. it might be a split decision. You know, again, it wouldn't surprise me uh, if the Supreme Court says he doesn't. They don't have to do it. They should, basically, especially based on precedent. But I just feel like that's going to be the ultimate arbitrator. Like, it depends how crooked these people are. Because basically, if he's going to be a dictator or not, it's basically because they're going to let him. And mm-hmm. well, and let me ask you this, then, for final, final thing for tonight. So let's say the election comes, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say he loses, Trump loses to Biden. And then Trump says, no, I didn't. Mm-hmm. What do you th- what, then what happens? Because I got my theory. And I'm curious because okay. Bill Maher, for better or worse, I know he's a scumbag, but every time like I watch his show sometimes because, but he's always asking people, it's like that scenario. Okay. Let's say you're the president, you get elected and Trump says fake news. It was rigged. He's not going to leave. Then what? You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm scared of that happening. It's happened in other countries. It's happened in Russia. Um, it, it, it's happened in, we've seen it happen. The U.S. has caused that to happen in other countries right. as well, putting into power dictators. So if anyone is going to do that successfully, it's going to be the U.S. Right. Um, and we have an enormous military that's really well funded. If Trump were to just all of a sudden harness the military, he could easily take, take power. And I hope that that doesn't happen. And I know that people will protest if that were to happen, a lot of people would be angry about that, would feel that their rights were taken away from them. Um, but like I said, the government has the military. They, they have that power and they could could easily wield that against the people. Well, here, here's, um, as, here's the weird yeah. thing though, because I'm more, I mean, I'm more worried about like those, he has, still has like a few months, he's still president before he has to turn. So of course he's going to pardon all of his crooked friends and steal everything he can and like take out that, the famous JFK picture from the White House, if he can steal that, he will. But mm. I honestly think, for, people think that, but at least from what I understand, what I've heard is that the military, he, they, they aren't full on, full on board with him as far as like, they're not like r- roaring to go fascist for him because he's a piece of crap. And he's like, you know, mm-hmm. he's like personally insulted them and the military. Like hmm. a, while, a while back, they, uh, he ordered them to like have tanks on display for one of his like, rallies and they really didn't like that because that's like what shitty third world dictatorships do so i'm not necessarily worried about it may it might happen or some of them might but i'm not i'm not i am hoping that they're at least patriotic enough like if joe biden legitimately wins the election that there's enough people still patriot like literally legitimately patriotic enough that'll be like fuck this guy and then they drag his ass out 
because that would be amazing to see. I kind of want that to happen. Wouldn't that be awesome if they actually drag his ass out of the White House? That would be nice. But, yeah, I mean, you've given a lot to think about. I don't know. Yeah. I hope well, so. Well, we'll keep talking. Uh, hopefully this was fun. Like I said, even if we just end up having conversations, I appreciate it. It gives me something to do. Besides from watching other people's crappy videos and just like <laughs> fading away into like rabbit holes on YouTube. So it's good. At least, like I said, it gives me, because, you know, I'm an English teacher, so I just have to be a zombie now. So I don't really get a chance to like, <laughs> be myself. I'm just like walking around like, yeah. So, all right. Well, let me, we will, we'll try this again sometime. Yes, that sounds great. Thank you for having me on, Leche.